Hello. Hi. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, we're, man. We're off to good start. Welcome to the Oxcast. Ox Unplugged. Yeah. All Ox all the time. So it's starting uh, out typical. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, we decided to make a podcast uh, for the Ox. Uh, I'm Crispy Kraut. I am Mr. Jaywit. And I am Hellion. Uh, we're going to mostly talk about sci-fi stuff, cause that, or whatever we want, basically, because podcasts. It's basically, it's basically a bunch of guys just shooting the shit. But yeah. today we actually have a topic, because we were like, maybe we should talk about something specific and not just ramble for two hours. Uh, we're going to be talking about FTL. What it is, well, everyone knows what it is, but like, why do people care about it? Why does it matter? Like, why it matters is very important for a lot of settings. Spe- yeah, specifically the concept, not the game FTL. That is a fun game, but that's... It is a, it is a fun game, but they don't care about the FTL, so it's not relevant for this. No, we're talking about the concept itself, which there's a bunch of different ways that people can go into fast and light travel and science fiction. Because unfortunately, and, and, we haven't figured this out yet. And it changes based on the setting, because you've got some settings where FTL is just, yeah, it's just a thing we do. It's not really central to the concept of the setting. It's just a part of the setting. Then you've got others where it is the central core tenet of the entire setting. Like Dune, for example, everything revolves around the FTL. Well, I think the example that most people are probably going to be familiar with is Star Wars. I mean, that's, I don't know about Does it matter? But but see here but here's the thing Star Wars and Star Trek that's where the where everyone thinks of they think of warp they think of hyperspace yeah. but it is handled entirely different in the settings well maybe we should start with um, sure. what the basic concepts there's different types of FTL travel out there so maybe we should start with those I Just, think Star Wars versus Star Trek is a very well known well trodden path mm-hmm. what do you think it makes different. Because to me, they're basically the same thing, where they just go into this fast space and then they go. Well, yeah, that's that I consider, you know, one type of FTL travel, which is a jump drive. You've also got jump gates. You've got uh, different types Star of gates. interdimensional travel. Um, wormholes. Wormholes, yeah, that's another big one, too. Um, there's several Trends different ways. Corridors. Yeah. Well, Halion, what do you consider the... Because you said you've, you're pretty confident that there is a... I don't know a difference. They seem the same. Mm-hmm. Well, I, Aside I feel, from the fake technology, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, first of all, you have to lay out the complete differences between Star Wars and Star Trek. I am For some reason, there seems to be like this division between the two fandoms. You can only be one or the other, whereas I think it's perfectly reasonable to love them both for what they are. Star Wars is fantasy, space opera, cowboys and wizards in space. It is it is rule of cool. It is not science-based. They don't even explain it. It's just like, yeah, it works. And Star Trek is utopian, idealism, perfection. It is science-based. Yeah, it's a lot of techno babble, but they do as much as they can to to try to ground it in the physics that we do understand to make it seem like it's it's leaps forward. They try to make it seem like it explains how it works. And to me, the way the two settings handle it so differently is Star Trek is revolves entirely around faster than light travel. I mean, if you look at the entire series from 
the beginning of the timeline to the end, it is based around man's ability it's... to go faster than travel and then to expand out in the universe. We had a movie about the first time we made first travel. Uh, uh, it's about the exploration, the okay. Exactly. And yeah. then, but in Star Wars, it's just a thing. Explored. Yeah. Yeah. Star Wars is just a thing. It's just like faster than light travel is like a CD player in your car. Oh God, I just aged myself. Um, it, it, it's like an XM, XM satellite. Everybody's got it. Everybody knows how it works. It's just a thing. And jumping from one end of the galaxy to the other is no different than driving to the store and back. It's just a thing. It's not a central. That's to fair. the story it's of the universe, special. right? It's it's just a part yeah, okay. of the universe that everybody does and has. Whereas okay. in Star Trek, yeah. it starts okay. with okay, we took our first, you know, we we met the first aliens because we achieved faster than light travel. That's what first contact was about. And then we had then then you had Enterprise, which was about us taking those first tentative steps out into the universe. And then theoretically, all the stuff after that was about that. It's using that fashion light. It's moving out. It's meeting new people. It's achieving new things. It's going further. Okay. So much so much further that even though it's very divisive, Discovery in its third season jumps like three hundred years in the future when there is no faster than light travel. When something has caused all the abilities to warp to go away and it has completely fractured the Federation, it has caused all of these empires and worlds to become isolationist because they can no longer maintain that connection across the galaxy. And it's a completely different universe than what we know of as Star Trek. So I, I, that's that, why so I think that's the two genuinely of them, interesting. Now I kind of want to watch that. Yeah, so it's, yeah. I think it's, it's how they handle this. The, it's the same concept. But Star Trek is built entirely around it, whereas Star Wars, it's just eh, it's just the thing we can do. Well, I think that's yeah. interesting you bring that up because I think, you know, in terms of sci-fi settings, the access to science or faster than light travel in science fiction really dictates how the setting is going to be. Because as you're saying, something like Star Wars, like FTL is so commonplace, you can find parts in junkyards and nobody knows who made it. Like you can basically just pop over the next system for like a gallon of milk if you really wanted to. Exactly. But then you go to something like Star Trek and, you know, there's a lot more involved. It's more explained. And in that way, it's more significant to how the setting begins. Um, you had mentioned Dune in the beginning, and that is yes. a great example of how science, uh, fast and light travel affects a science fiction setting. So I, I just want to step back for a hot second about Star Trek. So, yep. yeah, Star Trek. Because the ability for a civilization to have ftl is what enables them that's the the contact they can they are actually allowed in the global civilization exactly that's really yeah okay i just thought that was really important to the to how everything works yeah um but yeah so dune it is ftl is much more controlled and everyone who uses it, all the navigators they are hardcore limited they they have to have spice which means everything is around it because in order to have a, a, a global civilization you have to have spice otherwise you the, the spice must flow yes yep. otherwise you get book five they they have oh, a monopoly on the, they have a monopoly on the technology and the ability to do fast and light travel and that completely directs the setting uh a lot of ways that's been copied by other settings as well. Um, Has it? Because 
No, so FTL, degrees. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of things where FTL is hardcore limited in that sense. Well, one that I'm thinking of is Battletech, because in that in Battletech, um, at least in the Succession Wars era, the ability oh. to travel faster than light is rather limited because most right. of the technology base is gone and jump it, ships are it's basically still out there. But yes. the jump, jump sets are considered to be off-limits because nobody knows how to make them anymore. Yeah, There's very few of them. Comstar. But, but, but now, to just, you just brought up Comstar, the great white elephant in the room. They do, similar to the Spacing Guild and Dune, have a monopoly on faster-than-light communication in the galaxy. If you, don't, if you want to stay connected to your vast star empire, you have to go through Comstar. You don't have any other way to do it. So that is kind of in some way related to like Dune does, because that's the whole jihad thing. Blew up the FTL network, and suddenly everybody's you know isolated again. Oh, Just man, like in know. Star Trek. Yep. It's, it's all a big... Yeah. <laughs> Nothing new under the sun. But what I think is interesting about Dune, at least... Now, granted, I'll be honest, I've only read the first book. That's I've, fair. I, I've only seen the two, you know, the, the, the Lynch movie and then the new one, which I like them both. Yeah, But what's interesting is it feels like it's more about the spice, it's more about Arrakis. It's not really about the travel. I mean, that's what you need it for, yes. but it's, it's not about... So it's like it's like they focus on the aspect of it, but not the faster than light itself. Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of the thing. Uh, when, when Frank Herbert wrote Dune, you know, he made a lot of comparisons to, you know... This, the times he lived in, and you know, you had you know the oil embargoes with Iran or with OPEC. You had all sorts of fuel crisis and things. This was like the seventies and that or sixties and seventies. I forget when exactly he wrote the first Dune books, but I think it was yeah, like I mean, fifties. Yeah. Oh, oh. Well, I mean, even then, yeah. I mean, you see comparisons uh, to how we rely on fossil fuels in our modern society. And that's oh, it's sixty five. I apologize. It, yeah. Okay. There was, so there was also yeah. the emerging um, atomic age, and where we were beginning to try to limit the yeah. countries that could have access to this terrible new power and, and ability, while kind of hoarding it to ourselves in order to maintain mm-hmm. our uh, superiority. Which I mean, that that's another good example of you know tying in science fiction to a modern setting is you know limiting of technology or control of technology in this case faster than light travel. Dune also has a lot of has a really weird. There's a weird balance between everything because the F uh, the Guildmasters need spice, and Arrakis needs to not needs to be left alone effectively. Yeah. Um, because if more people show up, they want more water. More water kills the worms. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So they need so the guild is limited by the smugglers and the freemen, but they uh they are also the ones who are keeping them protected from weather satellites and just a bunch of people rolling up, and then you get uh book th- uh two, I think, where where the jihad happens, and then it's a, and then suddenly a bunch of people show up, and it's a, hang on, this is kind of shitty. Let's just make this a little bit nicer. Oh, that doesn't sound horrible at all. Oh, uh, it worked out fine. Um, there was only, uh, 
Oh, it's fine. Uh, his son takes takes care of it. Muhadib's son takes care. It's it, oh man, yeah. yeah. This, <laughs> we're, this guy trying to do a Dune cast if we get no. into the. Oh, the second was fine. <laughs> he didn't do anything too bad, right? He did nothing wrong. Not, not <laughs> yeah. for a thousand years at all. Oh, only a thousand. Oh, how glorious! Oh wait, no, it was more years. than that. Yeah, three thousand years. Oh, I've, I'm sorry, yeah. I lowballed it. <laughs> But yeah, I mean that's that's one way of doing fast and light travel. Another way, which I'm sure a good I, number of people are going to be familiar with, is the into another dimension, which is what 40k does, and basically they rip that off from Event Horizon in a lot of ways. Yeah, you have that makes everything really evil, right? 40k, yeah, you go into the hell dimension to oh. for FTL, and then you Event Horizon, you go into the hell dimension. It's it's a bad time. And that tells yeah. you about the setting. It's not a happy setting. Mm-mm. It's it 40k. Now, I've never played 40k. Um, I, I, always I tried. It didn't go well. Yeah, I, I thought I loved the figures in the, yeah. the, in, the, uh, in the game store as a kid. But, like, you know, I was a broke-ass kid. I couldn't afford that shit. So I bought my Nobody can now. It's okay. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, but if, I, I love the even the aesthetic of Event Horizon. Looks like it's out of 40k, does it not? I mean, they they yeah. dial it back a little bit. Um, I don't know who came first. Uh, knowing Games Workshop, <laughs> I, I I mean, <laughs> I don't know when they decided to put the warp in as a thing in 40k, but I mean, Event Horizon is basically the similar thing. Which, yeah. It, yeah. you know, crew goes yeah. to hell and horrible shit happens. Um, you have the one guy from Jurassic. Park pull out his eyes. It's it's a movie that is something to see. Lawrence Fishburne's in it. Yep. It reminds me of reminds Hellraiser. me of uh, two thousand one meets Hellraiser. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that'd be that'd be an interesting movie if you combine <laughs> the two of those. That's Event Horizon, but like without the actual smart part of two. You can only open the doors if you take yeah. in the pleasure of pain. <laughs> Hal would have to have an entirely different personality. Jeez, oh, <laughs> there is no safe word, Dave. Oh, the little primates come up to worship the monolith, and Pinhead steps out of it. Oh God, that's a <laughs> horror movie. You go to the aliens, and then you just see all of the the uh, cenobites up there. Oh no! Oh yes, that, the... that would explain Alien a lot because I oh. mean it gets really kinky when you think about it. The space baby is a new cenobite. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, I want to make a cut. If I knew how to edit, I would make a cut of 2001 where you just put Pinhead's face on the baby at the end and just nothing else. No explanation. Just like that's like a frame of the movie. I, I was listening to a podcast where someone edited one of the early um, Star Wars movies and just started like adding in extra scenes slowly and just started to fuck with someone. Oh, I know that. I know that podcast, the Revenge yeah. of the Lowry episode. I want that edit so bad. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, there's a part where, um, apparently it's an unedited thing where, um, I don't know Star Trek stuff, but one of the the guys takes out, uh, kills General Grievous, but in a, um, in another as a cut part, he ripped out General Grievous's heart. And then threw it on the ground and shot it, and so we put that into the movie. Temple of Doom meets John Wick. I mean, you're just basically like collymolling someone and then just shooting their heart. Like I can see why they didn't put that in the final version. That's yeah. a good pull. John Wick meets. Oh, 
Indiana. That's good. Oh man, I'd, I'd watch that fucking movie. Well, it you know it's funny. I I was talking earlier with people in the Ox, and I I mentioned somehow we were talking about the idea of the rods from God, which it, yep. it's, mm. it's kinetic bombardment yes. where you're basically shooting like a telephone yep. pole sized yep. rod of tungsten. Doors hammer. And you're yeah, I, it. I, I made a comment about smiting people with it, and then that just got me going, and now I have like an entire world building thing that I'm doing based off of that, where it's like a post-apocalyptic D&D game. That would have to be one of the most low-tech, high t- you know, considering when you think about uh, space-based weapons, that yeah. would be so incredibly effective. I, I mean... mean a, a, so, a telephone okay. pole of, in- of solid tungsten flying from space at so, terminal velocity. The yeah. uh, remembrance of Earth's past. This is Ooh. the okay. Uh, this is the I, books. I'm gonna I, spoil I, a whole fuck on about this. Yeah. So this is the the Dark Forest series. It's the idea of uh, you don't want to communicate with other aliens because by the time that they receive your communication, there's a chance they can they can leap forward in technology. So if you ever meet them, they will kill you. Mm -hmm. So what a lot of times happens is when um, a planet starts or a civilization starts communicating that they are around and that they exist, uh, another alien civilization shoots a planet at their sun and explodes their sun. Holy shit. Yes. So it's Rods from God extra. Wow, that's... Planetoids from God, Jesus Christ! Yes. You just sit, you shoot so. it at like ninety nine percent the speed of light, so that way there is no warning that it is coming. Oh God, that's horrifying! Yeah, so you just go, you look up, and you go, "We have two days." Well, <laughs> this this is a good uh, point to get into something that I just thought of. Um, you know, the idea of FTL as a super weapon. Um, Mm-hmm. And the first example I can think of, and the one that probably infuriates me the most, is what they pulled in the fucking... Uh, no, 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 Those do not exist. They, I, do, they do not need to be seen. I we stood up. I, I, I was in the theater, and I literally out loud was mm-hmm. like, what the fuck are they doing? No, 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 no. No, I, I was so angry. It's like, that's not how that works. It has never been how that works. And this is a movie made by someone who has never watched a Star Wars thing and just tacked Star Wars on it. Yeah, it it was not good. It was, I, I at the time, I didn't necessarily get it right away, but then I thought about it. I was like, wait a minute. Why? That shouldn't have worked the way it did. Droids aren't people. You can just start sending them out, right? I... I don't understand any of that movie, which that's a whole other conversation, but like, mm. they mm. their their idea was basically like we're just gonna go in a line and see what happens. Like Yeah, you know, fucking... in in a place where you can go anywhere, infinite directions. It's not like you could, oh, I don't know, just detonate one of your ships to cause an explosion and then jump to light speed. Oh, we we don't have time in one podcast to discuss <laughs> no, all the no. things wrong with that. If, if we're going to tear into the new sequel movies, we're going to be here for like three hours. So, uh, but yeah, um, that that does make me wonder what are some good examples of what could be a fashion like kill weapon. And so, one example okay. I can think of. Oh no, go okay. ahead. I we're going back to Remembrance of Earth's Past because mm-hmm. their FTLs, how it works, is the craziest fucking thing ever. 
Um, massive spoilers for the end of the book. Or the the mm-hmm. third book. Uh, jump to X location uh, if you don't want to know. 22 minutes. So how the universe, how the world works is we are in three-dimensional space. We, as a as everyone in the universe, existed in fourth-dimensional space, and then something happened, and then we got sent down to thir- the third dimension. And there are fourth-dimensional pockets around. So, and those pockets are slowly emptying. They're, they're what, it's what's described as puddles evaporating in the sun, where it's pulling it in, and it is collapsing at the speed of light. So what you do is, through sci-fi bullshit, you attach to a collapsing fourth-dimensional bubble, and then it pulls you. Hmm. Then, um, and then you can adjust how hard you grasp on, like, you can adjust your FTL speed that way. And what happens is, when you ever you go into FTL, you leave a permanent scar on the universe where you ripped too fast. And if you go from zero to light speed at a short time, you can you leave wakes the wake that you leave slow is a slower speed of light zone in the universe. So what happens is if you rip ass right at the start and you go from zero to the speed of light, your wake that you leave behind you slows down the speed of light to zero in that area, meaning that you die. And so what you what a race did is they left out effectively traps that as soon as someone touches it and enters it, the speed of light drops to zero and it starts spreading at the speed at speed of light. That sounds like a lot. It's a whole lot a lot. Um, the reason that's a, that's a lot of big brain physics. I don't know if I, my head wraps around all of that. I yeah, yeah. it's a very intense setting. Hmm. Speaking of um, settings, what is your guys' favorite example of faster than light travel? I'm curious. I genuinely love travelers. But uh, elaborate because I'm not too so, familiar with okay. how travelers works. So how Traveler works is you have a jump drive that is classified in a number between 1 and 9. So um, I was talking to Diggs about this earlier. He had In his game, he has a jump class, uh, a level 4 J, uh, J drive. Okay. What this means is he can jump with his ship four space, four solar units away. Like, four, he can jump over four solar systems. And it takes one week, no matter what, unless you fail okay. checks. So if you have a, J, a jump drive that can only go one solar system away at a time, you would have a... It still takes one week. It doesn't matter how good it is. It takes a week, depending on the quality of the J drive, what technology level it's at. And so the setting slows down a whole fuck ton because suddenly it's 
you do have you don't have FTL communication. You just have FTL ships that take a good long bit. So if you're going from like if you're in a mass uh, massive solar ma- a massive universal empire, that actually takes a good long time to like get a message from one side to the other. Kind of like sounds a lot like uh, the way BattleTech does it. Yes. See that that would be mine. Um, I mean, God, you 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 love warp drive in Star Trek. I love being able to go to warp, and and I love how it's become a thing that every captain has their own saying for when they go to warp and whatnot. But as far as what feels real and what would be realistic in how it would work, it, to me, it's BattleTech because it's very limited. We've highly specialized. Oh yeah, because we've we've bombed so much technology over you know hundreds of years. We don't even understand fully how it works, so we just keep what's going still working. And so it's so limited that it it takes a while. Like you can't just jump from point all the way from point A to point B. You have to jump point A to point B, point B to point C, point C. Like it takes a while. You got to wait every single time. You got to wait. You got to recharge and. Even there's limited parts. You can't just jump anywhere. You've got to jump to very specific points in the system because those are safe. And you can try jumping to some that are the pirate points that are, eh, it's a little iffy, and eh, maybe you get there, and maybe your ship splits in half. Who knows? You know, don't worry about it. But I just, to me, that just feels the way it would work, especially in a setting where you have stagnated technology for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I like because the issue that it causes is it's in there if you have a highly specialized technology, you have a inherent hierarchical society behind that, right? Mm-hmm. If only a hundred people can use this thing, then suddenly it's going to be happens to be the rich and famous who become the people who can actually use that. At that point we're getting into a technocracy, which yeah. is it yeah. Which, which is its own, which is fine. That's not how I traveler. Everyone has it. You get a ship. You it has a some sort of um, some sort of J drive. So it could be a shitty one, but yeah, you still have it. Kind of sounds like a mashup, sort of like between what BattleTech does with yeah with Star Wars, where it's widely available, but it's still it's still slow, limited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it's and it's still a clunky piece of shit. Where if you fuck up your astro navigation check, you yep. can misjump, and you can age into dust because you're in that the bubble for thousands of years and you just die. <laughs> or you at you go there a month later and you're just terrified because you don't know if you're going to die or not the entire well, that's time. That's horrifying. Yeah, it's a well we we messed up this jump. How long do we have? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Let's hope. The answer is yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, can I tag back? Oh, wait a minute, Crispy. You didn't say which one you like. Um, oh, yeah. Honestly, I'm going to have to go with you, Hillian, because I really like how Battletech does it. I like the idea of FTL being limited, but, you know, just not being able to just jump from system to system. But I also like um, the expanse in a way. Uh, which spoilers if you haven't don't know anything about the expanse series but basically the way that ftl works is um 
von Neumann probe from an alien civilization comes to our solar system and creates a giant jump gate that connects to an entire network. Question. Which, sorry. What, uh, can you explain what a von Neumann probe is for uh, the non-nerds? Ah, uh, shit. I don't know this, this complete definition, but, but when I understand it, it's a uh, self-replicating uh, programmable probe that you could send out to another solar system and it can create copies of itself or create things, just replicate its, itself or materials in order to build whatever you need it to. So, in the case of the Expanse, it's sent out to create uh, a FTL jump gate, which connects to a network. Uh, but the way that the network works is all the gates are connected to a central hub that's in a sort of extra-dimensional space, which actually is the undoing of the empire that creates it because it interferes with another race of beings, which I believe are called the Dark Gods by humans, but they don't really have a specific name. Basically, I like the idea of FTL being something that sort of is not only difficult, but it Centralized, really. <laughs> um... No, not even that. I, I, the centralization. I don't really. I mean, that's one thing. But I like the idea of you know, it sort I mean, of tapping into something that we don't understand. You know, being something that's out there. You know, in the in the case of the expanse, it's tapping into you know, alien technology. It's yeah. alien technology, and it's interfering with a race of beings that are just wiping humans out, no problem. Like. I like the idea of that sort of technology tapping into some part of the universe that is beyond our comprehension or we don't necessarily understand. It kind of plays into that trope of technology being beyond us, you know. Yeah. Kind of sounds like what they did with with uh, Stargate, but taken to the ne a, a different level. Yeah, Stargate or Event Horizon too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really like the hub idea though, because yeah, a, a centralized hub. You have that is plot. That is a whole bunch of people dealing with a bunch of shit right in the middle with everyone else. Mm -hmm. That's suddenly really interesting to me because someone can just say no. Who who owns this thing? What oh, that comes do? up. Yeah. That comes up in the expanse um a good bit actually. Yeah, because it's a highly trafficked zone assuming mm -hmm. it's being used. If it's being used, then it's highly trafficked, which means it is incredibly important. And if it's incredibly important, then suddenly you get lots of fun tough stuff. Of like shooting people to take over, mm. yeah, that happens. So yeah, kind of sounds like to me the same concept of um, the twins in Game of Thrones, where if you want to cross it, you gotta basically you, defer to the phrase. Yes, you have to pay the Persians in order to cross the Silk Road. Yep, and also that's a full of intrigue, <laughs> even <laughs> if it's a good happy time. Suddenly, it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I do like FTL. Hubs are really. I, I need to think about that one a bit more. That's really fun. Yeah, isn't that, I mean, isn't that kind of the concept of what they did in Guardians of the, of the Galaxy, where uh, you've got you're jumping through all these different like gates that are interconnected to kind of get to one place, but you've got to go through all these different little like dimensions or space or areas of space. Are you talking about the movie or the comic? Because I have only the, seen the movie. one of the movies. Yeah, the movie, and specifically in the second one. I don't think I want... So I never saw it. Yeah, so basically okay. the idea is it's showing off a bunch of different worlds for the movie. Kind of. It's, you, you gotta go through, it's almost like you're, you're essentially, there's jump gates, but you've got to go through a whole bunch of them 
to, if you want to get to this one place, you're going to have to go through multiple gates. Oh, okay. Are you ready for the worst analogy of you're ever going to hear? There's a video game called Transcendence where you play like a space trucker, pirate, shooter person, um, mercenary, whatever, and you're just going around the, the universe, going through Stargates, being like, looking at different... Okay. No, that that game, no one else knows. It's fine. How <laughs> it's old is a, that? Uh, uh, it has been in production since the 90s, but it's just like a dude making the game. Okay. It, it reminds me of a pretty much a, a mostly a text-based game I played in like the early 90s, like 90, 91, that was kind of similar, where you would just kind of do to jump and go to different galaxies and kind of like trading stuff, and they gave you a Genesis device so you could make your own planets and shit. I have no Sounds idea what it's called. Yeah, it started in 2003. Hmm. It's a wild game. I really like it, though. So I did want to tag one thing back when we were talking about uh, Faster Than Light as a weapon, digging into the same well, but in Season 4 of Discovery, the universe is under a, what they think initially is attack, and then they come to find out it's kind of accidental, um, from an extra-galactic threat that there is a, uh, a species that is outside of our known galaxy that is, has sent this device, they call it the, hell, I can't remember what, the DM, DMD, DMV, VMD, something like that. But effectively sure. what it does is it creates this huge gravimetric area that covers like entire, almost entire quadrants. And effectively, it is a giant strip mining device. And it is just pulling in everything in that area and then bringing it to a central hub and then sending all of that material uh, through faster than light back to its to the originators to use as raw materials and it is just and not only is it destroying everything just in, like the transformers movie i get it yeah so it's destroying everything in its area but it's also causing all of these gravimetric anomalies that are just wiping out entire planets like oh yeah because suddenly oopsies there's no oh yeah sun like like it's just within massive amounts of space are just getting scoured like a strip mine and so they have to try to figure out how to get to where these people, I use in quotation marks, are, Thanks. try to explain yeah. to them, uh, guys, could you stop? I know we're just ants to you, but you're kind of killing us all. But I just thought that was fascinating. That it's, it's not necessarily that it's FTL itself, but effectively it's like a giant FTL bulldozer. It's a very efficient funnel. Mm. What is the jaunt? by the way. Okay. The Jaunt was a short story that Stephen King wrote and was actually originally published in 1981 in the Twilight Zone magazine. And it's set in the 24th century uh, where teleportation or faster than light is referred to as jaunting. It's very commonplace. It's how we travel around the galaxy. And it follows a family that is waiting at a, an airport type location to go uh, from New York to Mars. And while they're waiting, the dad is telling his little kids um, the story about how, you know, the technology was invented and that how the scientists that first figured it out when they started trying to send living beings through, they all would emerge on the other side insane, crazed and quickly die. And it took them quite a few uh, experiments, including uh, the uh, volunteering of several dozen uh, 
of incarcerated people uh, before they figured out that the only way a living being could successfully jaunt without going insane and dying was to be unconscious. And so they um, will do this travel. And it's just like, you know, you go in your little uh, sleep tube, kind of like in um, Fifth Element. Hit, hit a button, bloom, you fall asleep. And then you, you jaunt. It's just, you know, almost instantaneous. And uh, what they find out is that it's actually been used as a means of execution. Um, it's been Ooh. used actually as a one of the early research scientists pushed his wife through without setting a destination because he wanted a divorce. But these, but it's it's just it's an interesting concept. But to me, the trick or the the turn of the story is at the end they come around the you know little stewardess or whatever lays them all down, and she's got like a little thing of uh, like gas that she's you're supposed to squirt up your nose to put you out. So dad, you know, lays down. He takes his kids take theirs, and then they jaunt. And as they wake up on the other side. There's a big disturbance as the dad's coming through, and it turns out his son was so con- he wanted to know what happened, what was driving people crazy, so he didn't inhale. And it turns out, as he's insanely ranting and raving and going nuts, that what happens is if you go through conscious, you are effectively in a vast, blank, endless void where you cannot die. And you cannot sleep from anywhere between hundreds to billions of years. Ooh. And that's what drives you insane. Oh, just yourself. A, just yourself. Just your consciousness. Unsleeping, unable to die, just in a vast, empty void with nothing but the shit rolling around in your own brain. Oh, there's some Lovecraft. <laughs> anyway, that's I, I, loosely based on FTL. I just... It's, when, it's fun. It's interesting. That's yeah. that's enough. So, okay. I have... We've gone through our list. Yep. I'd like to play a bit of a game. Cool. Alright. Take an FTL system and put it in a different setting. Oh. And what would that do? So, like, take Dune and make the, how that works with Star Trek or something. Hmm. Yeah. Alright, that, that's... Oh... Yeah, right? Let's, let me think about this. Just make Star Wars with Event Horizon. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Punch, yeah. Punch it, Chewie, and then like five minutes later, like, Han is clawing his eyeballs out, the cargo hold, because they've seen hell. Or you just come back and it's just Chewie with an arm that he found. Yeah, that, I wanted to claw my eyeballs out. Is this Chewie on someone's the uh, sequels. <laughs> Okay, think about this. Let's take Star Trek warp technology. Yep. But where it's readily available, everybody has it, but you put it, plop it down in the Battletech universe. Ooh. I don't I don't think we get past the first secession war before everybody just wipes themselves out. Because if you can send your armies instantaneously all over, I mean, and you're already in that just, you know, we're dropping nukes on each other, pre Ares convention. So what? there, there's a bit of, yeah, you go into the Dark Forest theory, because you can be on top of your opponent before they can respond, before they know you're coming, right? right. Because of how light works. You can't see the spaceship flying at you if it's going faster than light, because you don't see it coming. Right, and, and you, or don't even send the, just send warp-capable nukes. Or drones. Yeah. 
I mean, if, yeah. we, if you don't have the utopian, you know, idealism setting of Star Trek, like you do in Battletech. So yeah, I don't, I don't tell. We might not have gotten past the reunification wars. Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly you go into, yeah, the dark forest theory, the remembrance of Earth's past, the, the everyone sitting around making sure not to send noise out. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing to think about if you would, I mean, if you put something restricting in a sci-fi setting, just how exactly it turns out, you know, like a setting like Star Wars, for example, if that had like Battletech's uh, FTL capability, that Limited. really, it's, yeah, they, yeah like, okay. the heroes would be dead. I mean, they couldn't escape like they do in the movies, you know? All right. Oh yeah, no, that's the biggest and, thing. and I don't think your empire would be could be nearly as massively no, expansive as not. it is because again, you 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 can only control how far you can actively police, and if yeah. it takes you three months to get from one part of your territory to another, uh, yeah, that's that changes everything. Yeah. I think of of all of them, though, I think the one that you really can't take it or change it without completely destroying the setting is Dune. Yeah. Because it, it's, yeah. it's all about that. It plays yeah. a lot into it, yeah. Yeah, because you put in Battletech's thing in Dune, and suddenly, no, you're just playing Battletech then. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're just playing, you just got, ro you know, rompy stompy robots battling sandworms. Yeah. Which is a thing in Battletech, I'm sure. I'm sure we, but we don't talk about that one planet with the bird-like people. Yeah, but there's big. You can punch like dinosaurs and stuff. People yeah. get weirded out by it, but yeah. Now, let's say you swap Star Wars into Star Trek. I think you change it a bit, but if you still have the utopian blah 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 mindset, yeah, yeah. like, I I don't think you radically change that setting as much. You're change. You're not changing how they do. You're changing how they do it or the technology behind it, but I still don't think you're changing the setting. Yeah. So the difference is Star Trek does have a big thing of how fast your ship goes. Nobody cares about it in Star Wars. Yeah, your ship just goes. Yeah. So that would change, but yeah, no, past that, uh, Star Trek does have some. Uh, the Borgs have access to like super FTL. Yeah, the transport oh. wars. Yeah. We go even faster than people. <laughs> yeah, more or less. I just want to nitpick of one little thing here. When they introduced <laughs> the Borg in Next Generation, they were like, you know, the uber-turbo-powered super-villain, Skeleton King villain. And then they just nerfed the hell out of them. Like, they kept giving them, you know, oh, well, they've also got this, and they've also got this, and they've also got this, but they should have wiped the Federation out. Easily, yeah. I, I, I don't know. That's it's a small nitpick to me, the the nerfing of the Borg. But anyway, oh uh, yeah, I digress. Nerd rant over. No, it's fair. Yeah. The, I mean, the Borg are still terrifying to me, but now every time I'm like, eh, they're kind of, well, yeah, they get they got more lame as or as time went yeah. along. Oh, I have an interesting question. When because I started thinking about. What are some of the non-conventional methods of moving vast different vast distances that do we consider that faster than light, or is it something different? Like, let's say I'll, I'll, Rick's portal gun in Rick and Morty is that faster than light travel, traveling from one point A to point B? So, if we say, "Hey, um, the Expanse has has stargates," Stargate has stargates. Portal guns, I think, would be considered FTL. I would at least. 
Right, because it's kind of, because the, the whole concept, of, as far as I understand, of, of like a lot of your FTLs is it's not just accelerating you, it's you essentially folding space, moving from one spot instantaneously to another, it, with some of them. And yeah. So to me, like, that's basically what a portal is. You are connecting one, one location to another location far apart and instantaneously traveling across. There's also certain FTL systems where it will jump like one point to another and it stays stationary. I mean, Battletech does that with the jump drives. Uh, Battlestar Galactic has another one too. So, right, so we're, we're like, you're stationary, but the universe travels around you basically? Yeah. So, okay, yeah. I've got a terrible, terrible idea for mixing things. Mm. We take the Expanse's hub universe and then we put Battletech in it. I mean, that sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> that I I love that yeah. because it would, it would be just cut like battlebacks would no longer be a thing. It would be all out space warfare. Yes, it would just they, everybody would be pouring everything into their fighters and their, their uh, capital ships because he who controls a hub can deny others that space. Yeah, so it's just a back. Hang on, that's just the expanse in the future when all the different all the different spots are populated. Hmm, I like that. Yeah, that. That's actually really interesting. Yeah, because then you're going, who's doing what? If you imagine a Stargate go like closing itself off, saying we're just leaving, we're exiting the global population for a while. Hmm. It, it's kind of a lot of the same concept of what the uh, the Japanese and the Americans did in World War II, where they would fight over all these tiny little islands constantly. Mm-hmm. taking them back, giving them up, taking them back, giving them up, just because if you controlled this island, you were able to hop to the next island, hop to the next island. Yeah. So, But the difference is you don't hop from island to island. It's you hop in and you go anywhere. Mm. So, Oh, yeah, if you close oh, okay. yourself off from, like, hell, from, like, the, the hub dimension, then suddenly you're not getting all the trade that you need as well. Yeah. So you're going, oh no, we won't be able to get this mineral that we need from this from this other place, but we're not going to be attacked, or there's not a threat of someone attacking us. Kind of the concept of pulling up the uh, drawbridge. Yeah. Yeah. No, you can't get out, but they can't get in. Yes. I'll see that, and that, I'll see... <laughs> That, there's, now we're digging into the minutiae. This is the fun yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. This is now, this, now, this is where it was going to change from society to society, from place to place, based on what's the, what's the mentality? Are the, what about the isolationists you, versus the crusaders yeah. versus the, you know, Whoever we just be left alone. Hub. Right. So well, it's going to be based on... subsidiaries as well. Right. So now you've got in, civil infighting between and factions battling for control over who, over the faction that's going to control the hub. Yeah, that's basically what happens in the expanse. I mean, there's entire wars fought uh, to control the hub in the expanse setting. I think it's interesting if it's thousands of years into the future where everyone oh, yeah. is, yeah, suddenly everyone knows what's going on. Like, mm-hmm. and then suddenly it's just a matter of like, oh, you know, this person's going to be doing this, this person's going to be doing. There's a lot of political bits, there's a lot of murder. Um, Big space, yeah. There's a lot. Hmm. Also, communication, because it's a big hub place. Suddenly, you can just start spamming people with messages very easily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Shit posting across the galaxy. 
There's just like some dude in like a spaceship in a wreckage just sending off everything. I've I've spent thousands of dollars in hyperspace <laughs> transmission bills to send you a picture of my balls. <laughs> you can that's literally you could use memes as a literal weapon. You're just spamming right. di- at that entire dimension on, on the other side. I'm just spamming out dick pics and uh, whatnot. Weapons of mass shit posting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a T-shirt. Oh, <laughs> you open up the FTL portal that we've just set up. <laughs> you have you have a civilization that's been locked away for a hundred years, and they finally open it up, and there's just a dick pic right on the <laughs> other side. What sort of horrible species? <laughs> what is this? Or, no, or you go to make first contact with somebody, and. Uh, they send their, you know, their little beep, boop, 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 whatever. This is how out, we out speak, into the, is our and, language. Yeah, and what they get back is a rickroll. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the first aliens that ever make contact are just shitposting yeah. aggressively. <laughs> They're just sending dick pics. Uh, there was an Eclipse Phase game that I ran where the players were actually doing a bank heist. Like, on the moon, it was a very big, serious deal. And then they go in and they find out the data, and it's a bunch of alien dick pics. Wow. And they were like, what do we do about this? And it's like, that's actually kind of useful because you do learn a lot of biology stuff. And like, yeah, okay. <laughs> but is it recognize? But okay, it's an alien dick pic, so it's recognizable as a multiple. dick, even though it's alien? Oh. Yes, dick, multiple dick different eye. species. Yeah, and in Eclipse Phase, there aren't a lot of known alien species. There's only one, and that's not them. It's funny you mentioned that because I just remember this one webcomic. I wish I could remember the name of it, but it was like somebody finding a crop circle being like, what it, What does it mean? And then it just cuts to an alien in the shower and he gets out and his dick is in the shape of a crop circle. <laughs> I've seen that. Yes. I, don't, I don't remember yes. where it was, but I've seen that too. Oh, that's so great. Just like they're just coming all this way to just draw dicks in our farms. <laughs> Of course, because that's exactly what they would do. They'd be if you're an advanced alien species and you ran across us, I would totally be trolling. I would be disappointed if they didn't. We've done that on Mars. Uh, The guy got fired about it for it. Get your dicks on Mars (laughs) with the rover. With the rover, that's right. Oh, I was like, let me go this way. Let me go this way. Do 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 do, and he drew a dick. That's great. God bless that man. <laughs> oh, he's so good. Uh, he needs to join the Ox. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. He'd I would right buy in. that man a drink. Uh. Oh, so, well, what is interesting about Homeworld's FTL? Ooh. Uh, all I know is that it I'm was... glad you mentioned that. Because I've played a little bit of the first game, I've sucked at it, and then I didn't really play it much anymore. Homeworld's uh, setting, I mean, the FTL, the way that they portray it is interesting, because it's almost like they get scanned into another dimension. The way that Yeah, it looks come. really cool. But the, the way that they um, talk about it in the Deserts of Karak game, I think is really interesting, because there's that entire... The scene that really sticks with me is when they discover the excavation site where they found all these starships that didn't crash. They went to try and jump, and because of the jump drive from Kartoba wreck that was on Karak, they got intercepted and basically materialized inside of solid rock. So that, in a way, it's like... They got shunted? Yeah, they basically got put inside of solid rock on the planet, like... Ooh. Philadelphia experiment. 
Yeah, they got <laughs> they got Philadelphia experimented. It, or it, to me, that's interesting. Star Trek, the USS Pegasus. Oh yeah, but it's interesting. It's um because when you think of FTL, most of the time you think of space, but in that instance, it's like, wow, this is a force of physics that you fucked up a little. Yeah, and you yeah. fucked up bad. Yeah, this wasn't this wasn't a case of like you misjumped or something, which. Actually, that, that brings me into a good point is like the idea of misjumps in, sci- in uh, FTL travel is something that I think should be more represented. Because uh, mm-hmm. yeah. there's, that, there's that line in Star Wars in, in A New Hope where Han's talking about where if you mess up typing in the coordinates when you're going you to hyperspace. Star or something. Yep. Which but, you, you never see that shit. I mean, that's the one thing yeah, I will give. Do- they kind of wrote that out, though. Well, because after that movie, because they in all the lore after that, at least, uh, all right, I, I am a huge Star Wars expanded universe guy. I'm no, sitting, I'm sitting. No. I know you can't believe it, but I am sitting right here, ten feet from my massive, like multi hundred collection of Star Wars novels, arranged in chronological order that they happened, because that's my thing. But, and they explained that every hyperdrive has a uh, detector on it. And if it detects any sense of a gravity well of any kind, be it a planet, be it a star, be it a large gravitoid, it shuts it off and it throws you out of hyperspace. It's got a safety mechanism? Boring. Which prevents you from doing such a thing. And so what the Empire does, and again, this this becomes a thing a little bit in the some of the video games, but definitely in the books, is they create a special star destroyer called an interdictor that has four gravity well projectors yes. on it. So that if you can strategically place it somewhere in the battlefield, it's a warp bubble. You can essentially prevent your enemy from being able to leave the battlefield because they can't go to jump. Or if you place these interdictors in certain spots in the space lanes, you can pull people out of hyperspace and then raid them. It's kind of kind of like basically like a uh, checkpoint. But then they completely throw all that out with those three movies that we don't talk about and we pretend don't exist because it's better that way. You say that, but the one thing I will give credit to the uh, uh, Force Awakens for is when they showed the jump where they jumped directly onto the surface of Starkiller Base. Because I think that kind of showed like how if you fuck up the coordinates when you're putting it in, bad things could happen. Yeah. Except in that point, they did it on purpose. Mm. Which, I, that's I, the only thing I will give them credit for, because that hyperspace kamikaze shit It's dangerous. Bullshit. I still have a major problem with that, because that still flies in the face of what we no, are. What I, I, I understand to be ca- how the ever. I will go get another beer if we're going to start talking about I, it. I, I like it. the new sequels. <laughs> oh, God. I do like your point, though, because let's say they did disabled it. Let's say the Khan went in and you know, he's like, all right, we're going to get hectic here. Let's get crazy. Clip it. He, he, dis- yep. he disables it, and he's just like, we're going to, you know, hopefully, and he just shaved it a little close. If they explained it that way, I could have lived with it. Yeah. And then it's then, then yeah. that's really cool. But they didn't explain it. Yeah, I think that that's something that you could really play with in a setting is, like, what happens if you mess up fast and light travel? Because we always see it go right, but we never see what happens if you mess it up. Like Traveler mm-hmm. does have it. Um. I don't know what happens in Battletech when you fail. There is an instance um, I remember reading about on Sarna where Mm -hmm. it was a colony ship that jumped and it disappeared. And they basically found the ship floating in space, you know, like a hundred years or so later. And it was like some kind of jump failure. And everyone on board, of course, was dead. But yeah, 
it, it's basically yeah, yeah. It's, it's if my understanding of a of a jump failure effectively is you you lose structural integrity and yeah. it it's it's a bad thing for organics too yeah okay you're popping the bubble in the worst possible way yeah imagine imagine you know slamming to a complete stop at light speed oh so you just mm. turn into jam okay I, that's i mean I, I, would, I imagine it's something like that, but it's like, but they're vague about it. But, but the, it's understood that it is absolutely a risk. Yeah, it is impossible to survive. Do you want to know what it's like to be inside a vodka shaker? Well, you're about to find out. That, that sounds like the worst way to go. Ooh, one FTL that we didn't bring up yet. The infinite improbability drive from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. Well, first of all, oh. like... I it, I wish that the ability to turn go fast and light involved you turning into a potted plant, but I also like <laughs> how does that even work? Because that's the point. It doesn't. There's oh, right. no explanation. It's just it's, that it has, gives you the ability to be anywhere. You know how there's always a chance that something weird and wacky happens because of quantum mechanics. Mm-hmm. It ups those probabilities. Where we're so, going, we don't need the laws of physics. Basically, you go. You know, there's a technically a. An atom isn't necessarily there. It's like a little bit to the right, a little to the left. Like, if you look at the waveform, it, it's like that. And so what it does is it just sort of expands everything. So you go in different places, everywhere. Sounds at the like same time. Yes. And then it just, and then so you're basically moving everywhere all at once at the same time. And then it just basically just says, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies. Stop when you get to the place you wanted to be. It's like, ah, bad luck. That thing basically exists to misjump. Oh, that's good. <laughs> oh, that's oh, that's, that's perfect explanation. Thank you. Now my smooth yeah. brain can figure that out. Now I understand it. It just misjumps until it gets right. Gets it right. So, so it's so oh oh so it's like the quantum leap drive. The, what? the quantum leap drive. It's just trying to desperately make that last jump, hoping it's the last jump is the one home. See, I thought of the movie Quantum Leap, and I'm like, wasn't that terrible? Oh, I'm thinking. See, Wasn't I'm thinking there a TV of TV show. I'm thinking oh, of the show probably. which they just rebooted. I think it started this week. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, I'm not going to watch it. That's okay. There's shows I don't want to watch. Let's not talk about the Halo show. I'll have an aneurysm. Does Halo have a unique FTL system? Um, not really, because it basically okay. is like. Um, from what I understand, it's kind of a combination of Star Wars and Star Trek and how it works because they explain it a bit in the books where they basically the ship drive opens a. Portal to hyperspace or slip space. Slip space. Yeah. Which, that gets interesting when you get into the Forerunner stuff, because they were able to make, like, slip space um, realm, or, like, like dimensional things that could hold things in place. Kind of like a dimensional prison, like, uh, whichever uh, Superman movie it was, with the mirror thing. But... Yeah, first, first yeah, second. which I think that's interesting. If you get on the the level of technology where you can manipulate uh, faster than light or hyperspace travel to the point where you can make a sort of interdimensional uh, safety safety uh, or you know uh, place you can go to, you know, like a pocket, almost like a pocket. Yeah, a pocket dimension. That's the word. Because yep. um, the Ghost of Onyx is the the one Halo book that I. Uh, really read was there was the, the basically the ending of it is they end up in the sort of pocket dimension micro Dyson sphere at the middle of a planet that um, is basically meant to be a sort of bunker or fallout shelter. 
uh, for the forerunners, which is an interesting concept, I think. Just the idea that you can um, have something like that, you know, like a micro dimension. Do either of you watch the Orville? I want to. I hear it's better than Star Trek in terms of. Uh, uh, I watched the first season and then the second season, and I just sort of didn't want to keep watching the second season. The if you can get through the first season, it's you can see you you. It's got a the first season's too humor heavy. You can you could but you can. Oh no, see I'm thinking of the third one. Sorry, first was good. First two were very good. Third, third one, one we just sort of went. Eh. Third one gets better. Okay, I, I, I mean. Personally, because they they pretty much leave all the humor behind. They, it's very earnest and and serious. It feels yeah. it really feels like next generation original series in the in the themes, but they um, they actually got a lot. Uh, there's an episode in the in the third season where they have to use whatever their drive technology thing is. You know, yeah. it's pseudo Star Trek, yeah. um, but they need one of their crew members gets sent back in time. And they feel like, well, we've got to do something. We've got to go get them. So they figure out a way to take the ship back in time. But they got a lot of really good positive vibes or and kudos from, you know, astrophysicists and other, you know, scientific types because the way they uh, showed it on the show, they actually showed how when they, you know, moved towards and past light speed when they're di- in the time dilation, they showed the change in light. That instead of a blue, oh, you would have you shift. would have this yeah you would have this shift to red, um, and then reverse when they were coming back the other way, uh, which I had no idea that was a thing. It wasn't yeah. until I read about it afterwards. I was like, mm-hmm. oh okay, I guess that makes sense because you know I'm I'm not a science guy. It's color shifting is not we we don't see it, but what we do see a lot is audio shifting. So a siren when like an ambulance is driving by you. It sounds higher pitched as it gets close to you and mm-hmm. lower pitched when it goes away from you. Okay. So that's the same idea with light. As you're getting closer to the thing, it will shift more towards the blue end because the the frequencies of light get closer. And as you're going away from it, the frequencies of light, light shift more towards red. Gotcha. Um, I do have another thing. I don't know if this counts or not. Has anyone played Into the Breach? I don't know. No. If, okay, I don't know if it's FTL-ish or not. Kind of, kind of not. It's actually it's multiverse stuff, which is a mm-hmm. whole hell of a time. Basically, the idea is uh, how do I describe it? They discover humanity discovers how to jump through different timelines as soon as the apocalypse starts. So everyone's hopping through different timelines, trying to save humanity as much as possible. And then once they do, they leave that timeline. You know, that's interesting because that's starting to get into the idea of like trans dimensional, like multiverse jumping, which I think the, the really disturbing thing is, oh, it's a video game. So if you fail the level, you just leave that timeline. It's fucked. It's gone. Gone. Get out of here. Go to the next one. Rick Sanchez. Yeah. Huh. So, so the whole purpose of doing the jump is to save. It's like you're jumping from one crisis to crisis. Yes, constantly. And if your care if your character dies, you can get another one because it's a timeline thing. So you just if Jimmy dies, you, you can probably find another Jimmy around. 
Oh, so it's exactly like Rick and Morty. Yes. Oh. With mechs and shooting and the end of the world. Oh, well, you had me at mechs and shooting. Oh, it's a very good game. Oh, What's I it called it. again? Into, Into the, the Breach. breach. All right. made, made by the people who made FTL. Yep. Oh, bringing it full circle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very fun. Now, as a question, would you consider time travel to be a version or form of FTL? Or is um, FTL necessary in order to time travel? I I don't. I think I I think Into the Breach is uh, not FTL and I fucked that up, but I don't because you can have a time travel movie without FTL, like Jumper, for example, or 12 Monkeys. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yes. a good, good movie. Yes, they're very good movies, but you don't have to... It's not inherently space. I feel like in order for it to be FTL, it has to be space. Hmm. Otherwise... Yeah, because um, Stargate is a very good show and everything, and good movies. Movie. Um, but to me, it's not about about the FTL and like what it can do and what it does to a society. Yeah, it's just an artifice to tell stories. Yeah, and it's a way to go into brand new fun stuff. Oh, actually, does anyone know how Doctor Who's um, oh, telephone works? The TARDIS? No yeah. It's full, of, it's full of spacey, wacy, timey-wimey stuff. Oh, right, they just absolutely refuse to explain it. It's just, yep. it's beyond explainable. It's, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they go into different things and parts and, and stuff about it th- through, you know, through certain episodes, but it's never truly been fully explained. Definitely not. Okay. And from series to series, especially when you compare some of the newer stuff to some of the stuff that is much older, some of it's conflicting. I, Which, with you a know, show as long run. With a show, I, yeah, that's run 60 that. years. Yeah. 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 Uh, oh, but I, oh, what I would do with a TARDIS. Yeah, because I mean, it is, it's FTL it's, and time. Yeah. Faster than time travel. Time and relative <laughs> dimension in space. Yeah, so I wonder if you put the TARDIS in other settings, what that would do. Good question. Star Star Trek would be actually really interesting with the TARDIS. Well, they tried what? to do the Doctor Who version with Gary Seven, right? Was but was he traveling? I thought he was just like from the future set. I, yeah. I have no idea. Actually, no. It's um uh Q. Uh, Q. Q is is a TARDIS eh, boy. Kind of, but yeah. Q is um. But not only is Q able to go in anywhere, but Q is also. You know, omnipotent? omnipotent and has, yeah. you know, can do anything. He is essentially a god. He can create a jerk. stuff. Well, yeah. yeah, but John Delancey is a treasure. Um, uh, the character is a jerk. He, he, oh, well, yeah. You don't, you're not happy seeing okay, him. The only, the only redeeming thing about season two of Picard is his, is his, is what they did with Q. And I'll leave it at that if you haven't seen it. But the rest of the season is just, ugh. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to watch the show. It, it sounds no, bad, it, so it, I don't want to. It was a great idea, and it's just like, eh, it's like, please stop beating this horse. It was dead last season. But you, you brought up uh, Doctor Who in Star Trek. And yes, I am thinking of beating a dead horse. I'm going to come back to it again. In Discovery, they create a new prototype experimental 
jump drive called the Spore Drive that does only Discovery and one other ship has. But the other ship hasn't figured out quite yet how to make it jump right, and they have a misjump, and then simple, and just like the Philadelphia experiment, it pretty much kills everybody on board. Oh, fun. But what it is, is it's somehow connected to what they call the mycelial network. So yeah, so basically, like what they're, yes, so what they're saying is that all fungus and spores throughout the galaxy are all connected by this some sort of network of some kind, and that they build a drive that can travel instantaneously along this network, but it requires a sentient driver. So essentially, you have to jack a human being into the drive to control it. But when it goes, it's instantaneous. It like spins and then appears wherever you wanted it to be, wherever uh-huh. it is, and wherever, however, how far. And so you can even super FTL then. Yep, and you can even okay. multi-jump. Like there's, they show them in a battle with some cl- with like a whole bunch of other ships, oh. and this one ship is just jump, boom, 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 boom. Like do it's the just anime thing. It's just pinballing everywhere, like it's doing Star Trek parkour. But then they think they figured out in season four that you know this might be a little bit too OP, and so they killed it. Yeah, you can't oh. casually add that into the, the canon. I mean, oh. it's. When again, once you just get through the first season, just say, okay, I guess this is a thing. It's okay. You just kind of let it go. But yeah, that's basically what they did. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, they didn't give him a sonic screwdriver or anything, but you know. I mean, the sonic screwdriver does magic anyway. Yep, but it doesn't work on wood. I don't get Yeah. I don't pretend to understand it. I I try getting into Doctor Who. It's just a lot. I grew up watching Tom Baker, the seventh, the fourth Doctor, as a kid on PBS, and so that was my first Doctor. But then my wife really got into it um, when they relaunched it with uh, with David Tennant, and so we sat down and we ended up watching all of them, and we went through and all the way up to the, to the current Doctor. I watched a lot of the David Tennant stuff. There's yep. a lot of very good stuff and a lot yep. of quite bad stuff. Yeah, it, yeah. Matt Smith is but, still my favorite Doctor, but you know. Yeah, no. Everyone, everyone likes what they like, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Except nobody likes the sequels. That's fair. <laughs> I, I watched the first se- of the sequels, and I didn't walk out. I did I, on the third movie. <laughs> I was like, I'm not. I, don't well, want I was going to say, I'm not going to watch Rise of Skywalker. I didn't no. spend any money to see either of them. I have a, I allegedly I have a friend that knows a friend with a plexiclout. Allegedly, allegedly, and they may or may not have been able to uh, upload a perfectly purchased copy of that and then uh, shared it with a friend. Okay, watched it together. Yes, exactly. Yeah. In the same home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Legally. Allegedly. Yeah, it's not it's not worth your time. It really isn't. No. No, that's fine. My brother yeah. watched it and he's like, don't watch it. I'm like, I will take mm-hmm. your word for it. No. I I hired a Gen Z last year at work who had never seen anything Star Wars. And I got them into it, and the first thing I told them is once they started exploring it, I said, All right, you've got when you start watching the movies, because I hooked them on Mando first. Watch the movies. You watch the the trilogy. Then watch Rogue. No, what, first I started Rogue, Rogue One. Watch the trilogy. Watch the prequels. The rest of them pretend they don't happen. And so far, they've followed my advice. Good call. Yeah, I 
have only watched. You're gonna hate me for this. I I don't think I've actually watched the the original series. I think I s- took a nap because I was a teenager and I slept a lot. Uh because it was like on once and I was half asleep and I was like, this doesn't make sense. I'm just good. But I also I feel like I don't need to watch them because I know everything that happens. They are and very I, much a meme at this point. Yeah. Well, when the I was, let's see. When the Star Wars came out, I was three, so I wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't until Empire came out that I kind of got into it. Any, and then it was just. It was always somewhere on TV, so I watched it. But what really actually got me into Star Wars, like hardcore, was when the X-wing and Tie Fighter video games came out because I yeah. just poured into those so hard that I wanted to know more about the setting. So that's when I became, you know, got really big into the movies, mm-hmm. started started buying and reading all the books, and that's what really kicked off my Star Wars fandom. There, it's a bit of a weird thing, because I don't know anyone who is into Star Wars from the movies. It's always been, I watched the movies and they were good, and then I did, like, a side thing, and it was amazing, and then I fell in love. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a more common thing with people my age maybe a little bit older who were kids and saw it in the theater when it was a when it was such a phenomenon i think it was more for them um like for my my kids like my youngest the first star wars movie she ever saw was uh the phantom menace and she bless her heart she loved jar jar but it's for children that's okay she is a child right but (laughs) the yeah. So I I think it, a lot of it has to do with when it came, what your age was, what it yeah. meant to you. Um, just like there's a whole new generation now of that the only Star Wars they know are the new shows they've been putting out the last few years, and that's what's uh, gotten them in. Mm, that yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, whatever gets you into the series, I guess. But at the same time, though, I would hate to have my kids first intro be uh the prequels or not the prequels the sequels yeah i i don't let my kids watch that good no matter of fact my youngest two have never shown any interest in star wars whatsoever but i got them both into uh they both enjoyed mando and bad batch and so forth so it was an entryway yeah does anyone want to mix any sci-fi settings FTL, because that's that's actually oh. interesting. Uh, mix sci-fi settings for FTL, or just in general, yeah, like the like put in BattleTech's FTL system in Dune or whatever. I, I think uh, Star Wars and BattleTech would be interesting if you mix. Mm-hmm. Or uh, <laughs> I mean, I like I said, it'd be interesting if you mix like Star Wars with uh, Event Horizon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, you know what would be interesting? Star Trek and 40k. Um, oh, the 40k ooh. system in the happy utopia of Star Trek. How so would that clash? So you've got like these, again, I don't know that much about space marines, but or what have you, but I'm just imagining what pops into my head then is you imagine you know, you've got these super nice little starships and star bases and what, and all of a sudden, boom, these giant gigamore turbo gothic looking spaceships pop out that are like 10 times the size of anything they have and just start yeah. murdering. Mm-hmm. So kind of, kind of like, kind of like the Borg, but with more style. 
<laughs> oh, the board is kind of pretty 40k-y, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, I think they are. I think you could put the board in... Wait, no, that is that is a whole group. The tech priests, if you just made them a hive mind. Hmm. Yep. I mean, they could be the board, pretty much. Yeah. I always thought it would be really awesome if they came out with a kind of a, a sandbox, like, open universe Star Trek game where you could be the Borg. And you Ooh, can just go yeah, wherever you want to go, cool. and, a, and you can kind of it's pick your own adventure, choose which species and civilizations you assimilate. And, and when you assimilate, choose which technologies when you, when you defeat them that you're going to assimilate, and how does that advance your, your collective? I wish that the Borg had more stealthy stuff. They are only all aggressive. I don't really see them infiltrating a lot, and I think that would be very terrifying. We're basically like they're, they would stop, uh, like, cloak and observe, basically. Yes, they, if they cloak or if they send in like spies, essentially, into a civilization. I mean, it'd be hard to do that considering how the Borg are. It's just how like, great things, hello, yeah. human. Yeah, it would be difficult, but I think it would be, it would add an extra level of interest to them. Like, almost like they're the, uh, oh, 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 um, Fringe. Okay. So had the Watchers on Fringe. What if they're actually Borg in disguise? So they've been here for decades and decades. And they have technology beyond what we have, and basically that's what they're doing. They're observing us uh, to find, you know, to pick when's the peak time. Essentially, they're they're riping us for harvest. They're going to let mm. us up until they get until we get to the point where we've come up with something interesting that they until want to assimilate. The big, until right, they have a good brain. Okay, something, something that they can assimilate because up until that point, we're absolutely no threat to them. So they're yeah, just watching. Could... And if anything, they're guiding oh. us. Yeah, they're like here. Let's just like drop off this little thing next. This technology. Oh, that would be really good. Oh, you know, or you know, look, we've got these these scientists here that are developing this technology that we haven't cracked, but it looks like they're close to it, or at least where we are. Maybe we nudge them a little bit and see if they can figure it out. We adjust their data. Yeah, I got to go back and watch Fringe again. <laughs> I'm not familiar with it, honestly. I've never watched the series. It's very much worth it. It gets a little out there in the latter season or two, but it's mm -hmm. very worth it. Most shows, like, I remember watching Lost, which, man, that lived up to the name because I couldn't follow it after a while. Yeah, I, I never bothered. It's a lot. There, there was this... I was thinking about it earlier today. Was, you know, why have I not played all these console games that everybody knows about and, and these other things and these shows I've never watched? And I realized that there was this 12 to 15-year period that overlapped between divorce, marriage number one and marriage number two, where and the end of both, uh, where I was just like I was either working overnight, third shift, or I was working two jobs, and I was just like I had to narrow my focus of where I could spend my free time and my interests in, and so it was a lot of mm. things I just I just couldn't expand out to. Yeah, it's fun going back though. Yeah, it, it never good. goes away. Yeah, you always want to go back to that stuff. That's what's great about YouTube is a lot of times I'll find, I'll think of something, oh, I haven't seen, you know, what's that, sh I wonder about that little obscure show that I watched, you know, back when I was a kid, but you can't find it anywhere. And if you Google it on YouTube, chances are you're going to, if you don't find at least yeah. some clips, you may find whole episodes. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found Megas XLR on YouTube, and I was so happy when I did. That show's great. This has been the Auxiliary Unplugged. Thank you for listening.